Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast. Hope you're having a fabulous week. When you have a moment, be sure to go to intelligentpassiveinvestor.com and get the cash flow calculator for free while you still can. It will show you how to buy back your time piece by piece. All right. So you may or may not have heard the hype, but the mobile home park sector as a legitimate high return, low risk commercial investment has hit the mainstream. Putting all trailer park jokes aside, we're talking about a scarcely supplied product with high demand. It's a sector I've become more and more interested in as of late, that's for sure. And when I find a proper investment to take down, I'd love for you to join in on the fun. Today's guest is a friend of mine and a converted mobile home park investor. Eloy Ratana is a highly experienced real estate investor with over 20 years of experience. And today he'll tell you why he made the jump to the MHP world. All right, let's go. This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. Eloy, what's going on, brother? Welcome to the show. Hey, Seth, thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Really excited to talk to you today. So let's just jump right in. Um, you know, what's your story? Feel free to brag a little bit. Uh, just just take it as far back as you'd like. Well, my name is uh, Eloy Ratana. I live out here in Denver, Colorado. I started uh, my IT career back about 25 years ago, and I started uh, investing in real estate after I took a, <clears throat> a lease options course back in 99. Uh, so what's interesting around that time, I was kind of decided whether I should continue on with my career uh, in IT or, you know, pick up or st start to do more real estate. At that time, things were like blowing up in, in IT, right? So I made the decision back then to discontinue forward with my IT career and uh, my real estate took a, took a back seat. I wish I wouldn't have done that, right? Because I'd probably be in a very different place today. So I, you know, I went through the, the crash in 2001, the, uh, the internet crash, the, the internet boom crash in 2001. And then again, you know, the internet market was a market crash in 2008. So it's been an interesting ride, but here we are, you know, we're just trying to push forward and kind of build out our, our assets right, and through real estate. Yeah, cool, man. Well, tell me a little bit about your, your current business. So uh, Apex Communities is uh, my partner and I, uh, we started down the road of trying to, like, you know, most people that, that start down the road of syndications, we, we decided we wanted to go look for apartments, right? And that sounded like a great idea. Um, but here in Denver, we quickly found out that everything was just so overpriced, right? I mean, there was nothing, the numbers just didn't make sense at all. So we started looking at other markets. So we started to pick out markets like, you know, if we're going to buy, where where we'd like to buy, right? So we looked at uh, Phoenix, Kansas City, Tucson, Orlando, things of that, uh, you know, markets like that. And then we finally bought it. We figured it was going to take us about a year before we finally, you know, of just calling, you know, calling brokers and getting them to listen to us, right? And as you know, at the beginning, nobody wants to listen to anything you've you got to say, right? You're, you're too new, yeah. right? Everybody just blows you off and hangs up on you. And so there is, you know, there, you got to hustle through that. You got to just keep calling and, and be persistent and, and show them that you're serious and that you want to be in the space. And funny enough, it, it took us exactly 
13 months, right? So we figured it was going to take a year before we found our first deal. <clears throat> nice, nice. Now, did you just jump right into commercial real estate or did you kind of take it step by step with residential like a lot of people do? What, what did that journey look like? Well, for, for me personally, I had picked up uh, back when I was taking those lease option courses, I had picked up properties here and there, but never enough to kind of jump in with both feet, right? Because that was my, my primary career was still IT. But it never occurred to me that and back then when you were picking up properties here and there, um, it was more of a it was more of a long term retirement play. Right. And it never occurred to me that you can make sufficient income through uh, through cash flow that you can actually like quit your job. Like that never occurred to me until much, much later, re fairly recently, actually, when when my partner, uh, Steve, who, you know, interesting story about him and I is we met through. Uh, the salsa, the salsa dancing community, right? We were both salsa dancing. That's how, that's kind of how, it's kind of how we met. And then one uh, one evening we were we were chatting and we we're like, hey, what do you do for a living? We I had been friends with him for a year and I never bothered to ask him what he did for a living. And then out of the blue, he told me he he flipped he flipped homes. I like you flip homes. Oh, I've been doing some. I've been I've been trying to get into some of that myself and doing some some uh, some wholesaling. And I had some rentals that I had picked up over the year, you know, lease option things of that nature. But it would, for me, it was always uh, it was always transactional, right? It, it never occurred to me that I could actually do this full time and to you know, uh, be able to develop cash flow out of it. So um, that's kind of how him and I got started. And uh, when he, when in fact, when he told me the very first time that he kind of wanted to put an end to his, um, you know, uh, his flipping career and, and kind of start taking on apartments, he asked me if I wanted to be his partner, and I. <laughs> My first reaction, because I had no idea that multifamily was even a thing. <laughs> My first reaction was like, "Yeah, whatever, man. Or, or, I don't have millions. Of, I don't have millions of dollars to go buy apartments, but okay." Right. <laughs> that was my that was my initial reaction. And then he thought, "No, no. It's like we we find a good deal, right? And and we then we bring on uh, uh, investors to help us fund the deal, and then we we manage you know the the, the property until until we do so, until we have an exit strategy." And then this, that's how we, we can just, you know, scale, right? We don't have to onesie choosy these, these single family homes anymore. And I thought about that for a second and I, that, you know, it made sense, but I, I still didn't think it was something that I could do, right? So right around that time, I started attending these, um, these multifamily meetups up here in Denver. Um, Adam Adams had these, these great uh, meetups and I, just by listening to him, he would describe it as um, each, each, team member would wear a different hat, right? You have a, 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 a guy who wears the acquisitions hat and you have a guy who wears the asset management hat and you have somebody who does the investor relations hat, but you're all, you're all focused on, on a goal, right? And you're all uh, of the same, you know, with the same mindset and the same goals. And I thought that that makes a lot of sense. And then, so the next time Steve, you know, I talked to Steve, he was like, are you ready to do this? So I like, yeah, I think, I think we can do this. And that's kind of, that's kind of how we started down down this road of uh, multifamily yeah that's a really cool story man salsa dancing you never know where you're going to meet your your next <laughs> business partner you, you simply do not know yeah and it goes to show you i mean you, you know when you're getting involved in real estate and you're interested in you don't know what the next step is i mean just start talking to people just start networking you never know who you're going to run into you never know who invests in real estate and you might find your next business partner that way I, that that's probably been the biggest um hurdle for me is because I, you know, I'm a pretty uh, introverted guy. I've been in IT for 25 years and I, I, I don't interact with people in my job, really. I mean, I'm sitting behind a cubicle and 
trying to get out of my, you know, comfort zone. This whole, this whole experience with real estate for me, you know, doing investor relations and, uh, relations and, uh, and being on, you know, podcasts and stuff like this. I mean, it's so not what I've ever done. Right. So it's, it's like something completely different for me and it's, it's exciting, but it's, can be a little nerve wracking sometimes, but I mean, I, I, it's like giving me a new lease on life to be able to do something, experience something new, which is cool. Yeah, I share in that experience with you, man. I'm pretty introverted just as naturally and yeah. doing, you know, hosting a podcast or going to other people's podcasts or even getting on social media and just like blasting out all this stuff. It's like, you know, this is just new territory for me and it's uncomfortable, right? I mean, you're into the discomfort zone, but it, it's kind of fun too. I mean, you, you're, kind of, you're progressing and growing as a person that way. That's right. Yeah, and I wanted to go back to something you said about, you know, the financial education piece because we don't get enough of it, right? I mean, when we're growing up in school, we, we take home ec classes and phys ed classes and learn about algebra and stuff like that. But we don't learn about financial education. We don't learn about anything. They just teach us how to do a job. And you, we don't realize yeah. that there's you know, a whole entrepreneurial business, real estate side of life that can really right. get you to financial freedom. And it takes yeah. people, some people a long time to figure it out. Like you and I, it took us a while to figure it out because we weren't brought up that way. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, what, I mean, when you, when most people, even today, even though there's so much information on multifamily and all these different niches within real estate on YouTube, you have to know to go look for that, to find it. Right. Cause most people, when they think of real estate investing, they generally think of either flipping homes or, or rentals. Those are really the two that I can think of that people that, that have no real estate investing think of, but there's so many different niches, right. And there's so many different ways of, of making money. It just kind of depends on what you're, what you're trying to accomplish. Right. And, and when I tried wholesaling, I thought it, I thought I can just quit my job and just start wholesaling quickly. I found out that it's, it's a grind. And it, you know, when you're flipping homes and you're attempting to wholesale, you're, it's really another job. Right. So yeah. when I, when I started doing some of that stuff myself, I thought, you know, this isn't, I didn't realize I was buying another job. I already have a job and I enjoy what I do. I don't need another job. So I kind of have to take a step back and, and, and kind of, well, what is it that I'm trying to accomplish here? Am I trying to find another job or, or do I want to invest for the future? Right. And do I want to start building, you know, cash flowing assets and that's ultimately what I wanted to do and uh, you know, build out to acquire properties that are going to allow me to, to cash flow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of what you got to ask yourself for the people just getting yeah. started and they're trying to figure out, Hey, I want to invest in real estate. I don't know how, I don't know how to get started. And they're thinking about fixing and flipping or buying, you know, single family houses or even wholesaling things that are like a little bit more transactional. Yeah. Um, they might not realize it's not as easy as HGTV. I mean, it, it's a lot yeah. of work. I mean, I did it while I was working my W2 at a big law firm and it's nearly impossible. Uh, from, to have that workload and then add this other stuff on top when you're trying to manage contractors and property managers, especially from a distance from, you know, 2000 miles away, it's, it's overwhelming at times. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's, a, you know, now with the advent of the internet and all these tools you have available, I think it's easier, but still it's a challenge. It's not, it's nowhere near as easy as some people make it out to be. It's, it's going to be work. Yeah. And then on the other side of things, you've got, you know, your financial advisor that says, oh, you want to diversify into real estate. Well, why don't you just put some money into like these REITs, right? And that's not the exactly. same. You, you don't get the tax benefits. You, you don't get all of those things that come along with real, like actually directly owning real estate, whether that's through passively investing 
or actively investing, but you just don't get those tax benefits. And there's more and more fees because with REITs, you know, there's just different layers of fees compared to if you're investing directly, there may just be one layer of fees or no fees at all. Exactly. And I, and I, I don't know what your situation was back in 2008, but I, I mean, most of my money that was invested in my 401k was invested in these, these mortgages, right. That, uh, yeah. or these REITs that were, that were full of these, of these, mor of these mortgages. So <laughs> I was like, when I lost everything because of that, I was like, okay, this, this clearly isn't working. I need to find an alternative. Right. And that's when I decided that I wanted to focus this on, on real estate and, and acquire single family homes. This was back in 2009 and 10. And then later, I, when, I, when I learned about multifamily and then mobile home parks, I thought, okay, that's, this is going to be my niche. And this is where I'm going to build my business and, and grow my business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that you had invested in, in real estate before that, but would you say that that's one of your, one of those inflection points, you know, when you lost a lot of money because your financial advisor told you, Hey, why don't you invest in real estate and using REITs and you lost a lot of money in the stock market. Basically was that kind of like an aha moment for you to turn the light bulb on? Well, you know, what's funny is that you, you rely on, on, on back then, not knowing what I know now and, and not educating myself. Uh, you just kind of put your money in your 401k and they, you know, you, you, you just listen to these guys, right? Oh yeah, just, I'm going to put my money here and they pitch it in a really, you know, a very salesy way. And it, it sounds great, right? Oh, I'm going to, we're going to diversify across these things and over here and over there. And you're like, oh yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 40. That's awesome. And then, you know, at 2008 happens and you lose almost everything and you're like, wait, what, what, what happened? <laughs> right, right. Right. And then that's kind of, yeah, at that point you're like, okay, I need to, I need to kind of start taking control over my own finances. So I need to start educating myself in these areas where I want to be invested in rather than just kind of, kind of relying on somebody else that I don't, I don't even know. Half of the time I call these guys, you, they'd never pick up the phone and they'd take, you know, a couple of days to call you back. And that's, yeah, that's not, you know, I was kind of unsatisfied with that, you know, so I decided yeah. I'm going to, I'm just going to take control and do the stuff myself. Yeah. Yeah. And not all financial advisors are like that. They're not all salesmen. They're not all, yeah. you know, looking out for themselves only. I mean, a lot of them are really good. Yeah. They're good at what they do and they, they mean well, and they want to help you out financially, but you've got to do right. your own due diligence. You've got to do sure. educate yourself and you've got to look outside of the stock market into other right. asset classes. So you're not, you don't have all your eggs in one basket. Yep. Exactly. All right, man. Well, let's jump into to mobile home parks because that's your specialty, man. How did you come across mobile home parks? Why did you kind of uh, decide that that was going to be your specialty and where you're going to focus all your efforts? Well, going back to when we started, uh, we were looking at these different markets, right? And um, but we we were dead set on finding an apartment complex, right? We were looking for, you know, you're told to go big, 50, 60 units or, or something big. Uh, and then out of the blue, Steve, my partner says, Hey, I think I've got something. And, and I said, what do you got? He goes, I've, I found a trailer park. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so my, my first reaction was like, no, how did we go from, how did we go from looking for an apartment complex to finding a trailer park? That's, that's ridiculous. No, I, no, no, that was my, <laughs> and he said, and he was like, uh, no, man, look at these numbers. Uh, these numbers make awesome sense and, and, and we're never going to find anything like this uh, um, in, in an apartment. So he, 
he showed me the, the numbers for a, um, a mobile home park that he found in Cape Canaveral, Florida, which was kind of in the area we were looking. And I looked at that and I, and I thought, wow, that's these numbers, you know, these numbers are, are really good. So I told, him, I told him, give me a week. Let me bury myself in as much information and read every book that I can get my hands on and listen to every podcast that I can because I knew nothing about mobile home parks right like zero mm -hmm. I just my initial reaction was like no I want nothing to do with this but um so I did I did that for a week I, I buried myself in all the, the podcasts and the books and at the end of that week not only did I thought you know this not only is this the right asset for us but I think the timing of it is 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 pretty good too because there's so much um, uncertainty, you know, economic uncertainty, that an asset like mobile home parks just makes more sense for us, you know. Um, so you know, we went for it, and then we picked up the park, and you know, we're about to we're about to refi on it on it. So it's been a I would it, it's. Yeah, it's been a success. It's our, our first park has been pretty good. So we once we landed our first, you know, we got our second one within right before the coronavirus hit, uh, um, right around March. So we had to kind of wait because the the lending stopped. But that's you know that's been a, a a great park for us as well. So we're you know we're well on our way, and we like that's not to say we won't look at other asset classes. Um, we like we still like the idea of owning an apartment complex in the future. But I think for now, I think mobile home parks is, is kind of where it's at for us. Cool, cool. Well, um, from maybe a passive investor perspective, you know, what makes mobile home parks, let's say, better than multifamily? Like make the argument, I guess, for mobile home parks over multifamily or other asset types. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, you know, uh, the coronavirus at least proved to us that we had pick the right asset class because we have not seen some of the um, some of the the, the non-paying tenants right that some of our friends that own apartments are, are, are seeing that's not to say that everybody's going through that stuff but we haven't and, and none of our peers that own mobile home parks are seeing uh, people just not paying their rents and one of the reasons for that is you know, in, in most cases, we don't aim to own the mobile homes themselves, right? We're just looking to to purchase the land um, and any park-owned homes. We we rehab them and sell them as is, or you know, or you know, we we'll rehab them and sell them owner finance. But at the end of the day, the tenant owns the mobile home, right? So they have an incentive to stick around. It's their home. What are they just not going to pay lot rent on 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 their home? And the other thing too is, you know, if you can't I think about this uh, all the time, but if you can't afford $500, $600 lot rent, I mean, where are you going to go? You, you can't afford to live anywhere, right? So that's been for us, the steady cash flow as a result of, 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 of people sticking around despite, you know, the, the coronavirus, it's kind of proved to us that this is at least a stable, uh, it's an asset class with stable cash flow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love mobile home parks too. I mean, affordable housing shortage is a huge issue yeah. in this country and mobile home parks obviously represent a solution to that. Um, it, exactly. it's, a, it's a scarce product, right? I mean, there's only so many mobile home parks. It's really hard to get an area zoned to put in a new mobile home park. It rarely happens. So it's, it's, a, it's a scarce commodity. Um, and, and you have sticky That's tenants. Right. You, you brought that up about sticky tenants. I mean, if you're renting exactly. you know, the lot and they own the home, well, it's too expensive for them to move that home. They're they're there. Exactly. They're sticky. 
<laughs> so you you, you yeah and, a lot and oftentimes yeah yeah and oftentimes they can't right because some of these homes are older homes and and you know the city will never grant the permits to move those homes because they're so old uh, or or, or you you know you won't be able to get insurance on them either so you know they're sticky as, yeah. as you said yeah now are you seeing you know better returns on on mobile home parks than let's say your typical apartment buildings which is getting pretty saturated at this point so i, I would imagine that you, you'd see a little bit better returns for your investors uh, generally, well, at the beginning we were, uh, I think it's because there's so many people moving into the mobile home park space. Now, I think some of the, you know, the cap rates are compressed, so they're not as good as, as they had been, there's still good returns. Uh, but in terms of, of, of comparing one or the other, yeah, I, I would say it's a little better, but I don't know that it's a lot better. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right. Um, yeah, I think so one of the reasons, one of the reasons I would tell people that, that, uh, the, you might consider uh, mobile home parks is is because of, of there's recession resistance and you know again due to the pandemic there's there's people sticking around mobile homes so it's more st the cash flow is a lot steadier I would say you don't have people moving in and out all the time yeah yeah for sure um, for our, our passive investors that are, are thinking about investing in, in mobile home parks you know what what do they need to look out for I guess what are some of, when they're vetting a deal they're looking at the you know the OM the offering memorandum you know what what are some of the things they need to look out for what are what are some yellow or, or even red flags well if you if you don't know anything about mobile home parks as I didn't one of the first things that that st stuck out to me that that you don't get with an apartment complex is you don't have <clears throat> uh, the private utilities that some parks come with, right? The, the septic systems, the, the, um, uh, the water wells. And at the beginning, uh, when I, when I looked at this stuff, I was like, well, let's only find, let's only look for city water, city sewage, um, which you can do. Uh, I think you're limiting yourself by doing that. Um, so, I mean, now, I mean, I would stay. I would still stay away from, say, a, a, a lagoon. Uh, but I mean, those septics. After learning about septic systems and water wells, they're nowhere near as scary as as as, they, as when you first hear about them. Like, I don't want anything to do with water wells or septic systems. You just have to understand them, right? You make sure you're maintaining them, and uh, like everything else, like an apartment complex, you, you got to look for your T12s and you got to do your 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 due diligence and understand the rent roll and that this the same sort of uh, rules apply gotcha and and i think you brought this up before but you do prefer that the majority if not all of the lots are are actually owned, or the the uh the trailers are actually owned by the tenants rather than the other way around because i have talked to uh mobile home park operators who actually like the other way around where they prefer the the ownership of the trailer park the trailers <clears throat> themselves because they get a little bit more yeah. rent yeah, in fact, uh, I would I would say that's on a case by case basis. We, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not one of the deals that we're looking at now. We're, we're we're actually just thinking of just keeping them, renovating renovating them, and then renting them out. So, ideally, you know, it depends on the park. Um, but to say that we're all we're always going to look we're always going to look to sell the mobile homes that's not entirely true either. I mean, it just depends on 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 the park and the location. If we feel we can get more. Uh, money uh, from rents by renting them out, then, you know, we'll, we'll consider that for sure. Cool. Cool. And what about markets? So, you know, when we're looking at multifamily properties or residential real estate, you know, we look for those hot markets. We look for places with, with big population and job growth and job diversity and all those sorts of things. When we're looking at a mobile home park, 
is that a little bit different? I mean, a lot of these mobile home parks might be a little bit more rural. I mean, what, you know, what are some of the things we need to look for about the location and the market? Well, certainly a lot of the same things, right? You need to, you need to consider populations, uh, uh, population growth, job growth. Uh, it's one of the reasons that we love the state of Florida so much is because it continues, at least for the last several, uh, last couple of years, it's the number one, I don't think it was the number one migrated to state this year. I think it was like top three, but according to U-Haul statistics, it, uh, it's one of the top states that people are migrating to, right? A lot of the people that left New York, um, upstate New York are moving down to Florida, right? That whole uh, central Florida down into South Florida is, is experiencing huge growth, huge population growth. So a lot of the same things still apply. We want to see population growth. We want to see jobs. Um, we want to make sure that, you know, people have a, a place to work. So, um, but, you know, Daytona, that, that central Florida area, I mean, there's so much work and there's so much, you know, people continue to move there. So we're not going to have a problem finding tenants. Gotcha. Cool, man. Before we jump into the Freedom Four, what's one last golden nugget you have for our listeners? Well, yeah, you want to, you want to, if you consider uh, mobile home parks, um, I love the asset class, um, but it, you still have to do your homework, right? You still have to vet out your operators, the people that you want to, you want to work with. But um, yeah, it's, it's not all about returns. Cause I have people who would say, well, how much, you know, what are, what are the returns? It's, you got to look at the big picture too. What, where are we going to be five years from now? Where's the economy going to be five years from now? The fact is we simply don't know. And at least for my money, I rather I rather be in assets that, uh, well, you know, that I f- I believe are going to weather this storm of, over the next several years. That's awesome, man. Yeah, always keep the big picture in mind. Let's jump into yeah. the Freedom Four. It's time for the Freedom Four. So, what's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I do two things. First of all, I've been doing intermittent fasting for a couple of years now. So it's, I, I, sh- I should show you pictures of what I looked like 10 years ago. I was probably about 60 pounds heavier. <laughs> and, I, and I still, what's crazy now is I, I still, I can eat, man. I can eat. But yeah. if I intermittent fast, I, I do it all within a, a, a six hour window. So that, that works out well for me. So I can still eat, but I just, as long as I do it within a window, I'm, I'm good. And I'm still keeping the weight down. And then I, I like to wake up early and, and work out. I have a gym and, and you know, I'll, um, I'll lift weights. And, you know, if I, if I do that regularly and after that, I, I, I'm ready to conquer the day. That's cool, man. I, I do the same thing. I, you've got yours compressed down to six hours. Mine's about eight. I just do it naturally. Like I, I don't eat breakfast, naturally. which whether that's good or bad, I don't eat breakfast, but then I eat lunch at you know, 12, one o'clock. And then I eat a, a big dinner at like seven, eight o'clock. And then I don't eat again until the next day at, at noon. So it's just kind of natural right. for me. And you feel great, right? I mean, it, yeah. you don't feel, you don't feel like you need to nibble on stuff all day. It's like, you've got, you've got it down and that's your schedule and it works out. It, it, it's working for me. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, people always say like, how can you not like snack? How do you not eat breakfast? I don't know. I'm not really hungry. I just drink yeah. coffee. <laughs> yeah. Coffee and yeah, a lot of water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Same thing. Yeah. In an alternative universe where you weren't involved in your current businesses, what would you be doing? In an alternate, wow. Um, you know, growing up as a kid, like a lot of little kids, I, 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 I always wanted to be an astronaut. So if I had that option, I'd <laughs> You know, I'd be up in space doing something cool up there for sure. I like that, man. Aiming high, aiming high. 
Where were you at five years ago? And where do you see yourself five years from now? Five years ago, I was trying to find my space within real estate. I'd done a few different things and I, I couldn't figure out what was the best fit for me, right? But as I told you, I think at some point you need to ask yourself, what what is it that you're trying to accomplish, right? And whatever that answer is, there's probably going to be a niche that works for you. And I found the niche that works for me and that's in, in mobile home parks. Five years from now, I expect to uh, be owner of at least 500 units, uh, mobile home and maybe some apartments and some storage. So that's where I see myself in five years. Awesome, man. Well on your way. Well on your way. Last question. How has passive income made your life better? You know, I, I love what I do in my IT career. I've been doing uh, um, networking and, and cybersecurity for, for almost 25 years. Um, I don't, you know, now that, that I've, I've found uh, uh, real estate, um, the idea of me working another 20 years till, till I retire, like, no, I don't think I can do it. But the fact, the fact that I've got properties now that, that are cash flowing and we're going to continue to grow, you know, you have that option now, right? Where if you have something to, to, to replace your income, if something bad were to happen, like you get laid off, it's nice to know that you got something to fall back on, right? And I think that's what I love about it. Yeah, yeah. Peace of mind, confidence. Of mind. I mean, almost a little bit of hope. It's like you've now started to buy back your time and you're seeing the progress and you're like, okay, well, I just continue on this path. I'm, I'm good to go. It's not going to take long. Exactly, enough. exactly, yeah. Awesome, Eloy. This has been great. Thanks for coming on the show. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Uh, easiest way to go to partnerwithapex.com. Uh, my number is also 720-934-3471. Feel free to reach out to me. Um, we'll leave some uh, additional, uh, my link tree in, in the show notes, but feel free to reach out to me anytime. All right, Eloy. Really appreciate it, man. Hey, thank you, Seth. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Eloy, thanks for sharing your wealth of knowledge with our crew. Eloy's story is particularly powerful because it's a familiar one that I think many of us can resonate with. And, and that story is losing it all, or at least losing a lot to the stock market roller coaster. There's no control over the next time that your 401k becomes your 201k. It will happen. It's happened before. It's inevitable. But that's why it's so important to diversify into alternative assets. Now more than ever, these vehicles are available to you. They didn't used to be. So now it's time to educate yourself, take action, and take control of your future. To learn more, I'd love to have you guys join Epic, our Esquire Passive Investor Club, by going to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com and clicking Join the Club. Okay, folks, you know what it is. Enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.